Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and oh my gosh, are we going to get our sparkle on today? Not only are we going to get our sparkle on, but we are going to get so down and real and into what it's like to be a woman, and in particular, what it's like to be a woman over 40, navigating all of those things like our bodies, our brains our families, our relationships, our jobs. We're going to lay it all out there today and we are going to get real and go deep. So this might even be a show that you end up listening to more than once. I have got this incredible guest today. Not only is she an author, but she is the founder and the cultivator of this incredible Facebook group called What Would Virginia Woolf Do? And oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. But it's a Facebook group for women over 40 where they can get real and get honest and ask each other questions and share what's going on with themselves and their lives. So with that, I'd like to introduce Nina Lores Collins. Welcome to the show, Nina. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, I am so excited to be here or to have you here. Okay, you have got this book called What Would Virginia Woolf Do? And other questions I ask myself as I attempt to age without apology. And you're the founder of the Facebook group pretty much by the same name. Can you tell listeners what that's all about? Sure, sure. So let's see, I'm 50 now. Um, Four years ago, when I was 46, I started having um, insomnia. I'd always been a really great sleeper. And I was suddenly like waking bolt awake at 3, 4 a.m. and couldn't go back to sleep. And I was having other symptoms, but they were less obvious. You know, I was having kind of spotty periods and um, I was probably feeling a little anxious, but the sleep thing really shocked me because I'd always been a great sleeper. And so I was Googling it and Googling it, I realized that I was having symptoms of perimenopause, which I'd never really heard much about. And one of the symptoms of perimenopause on Google is an impending sense of doom, which made me laugh. Like it's actually a documented system <laughs> of being a woman in her forties is having an impending sense of doom. So I thought this was super funny. And I, th- I posted it on my regular Facebook page, kind of made a joke. Like, did you know that impending sense of doom is a documented symptom of menopause? And a bunch of my girlfriends chimed in and we laughed about it. And we started to say in that thread, you know, maybe it would be nice to have our own place to talk about aging. And it was a very kind of funny, smart thread. And, um, 
about two weeks later, I was in a hotel room. I was in like a Hampton Inn in Minnesota. I was visiting my son at a hockey tournament and my daughters were with me and I was feeling kind of old and ignored. And it was around midnight and I just decided I wanted to talk to my friends about this feeling, all these feelings of, um, am I irrelevant? Am I soon going to no longer be attractive? You know, will no one want to sleep with me? Is my career going nowhere? You know, these kind of feelings of midlife malaise. And I didn't want to kind of whine about it on my public Facebook page. Um, so I created a group. I learned how to make a group on Facebook and I called it What Would Virginia Woolf Do? Which was a kind of inside joke. Um, at the time I was finishing a graduate degree in something called narrative medicine. And I was reading a lot of Virginia Woolf and Virginia Woolf, like most of my friends, I mean, they're not, they're not Virginia Woolf, but Virginia Woolf was a very smart, fiercely kind of intense feminist, and a lot of my friends are, um, and she did happen to kill herself in her 50s, so the title of the joke was just really a dark joke, like, should I just throw in the towel, essentially? What would Virginia right. Woolf do? And um, had I known that it was going to become a bigger thing, I probably would have called it something different, although the title still <laughs> laugh. Um, we're not trying to make fun of suicide. Um, and so I started the group and it grew. And over the next four years, it became, um, it grew to around 32,000 women um, and became a whole thing. I wrote a book. I started a podcast, a website. We started having live events. Um, and in the last six months, we decided to leave Facebook and we built an app and we now are called The Wolfer, um, W-O-O-L-F-E-R. And we are calling ourselves that because the women are organically started calling themselves, started identifying as wolfers. Yes. And now we're on an app and have a profile and we've left Facebook entirely actually. Okay. Oh, I didn't know you had left it entirely. Ah, my well, apologies. We, we do still, no, no, it's fine. We do still have a public page on Facebook. So you can look up the Wolfer and you'll see our content. We write articles, we post about events, but what would Virginia Wolf do if you look for it? You can no longer, if you were not a member, you can no longer find the real group. There is a dummy group that just has like a cover photo that says we've moved to the Wolfer. Um, Got it. If you were still a member, if you were one of the 32,000 women, you can actually still go to the archived group group and search, but we're essentially starting fresh on a new platform. As I like that. Yeah. yeah I like that. Yeah. And I, I have, 5, we already have like 5,000 women in the new group. So it's really exciting. I love that. And yes, I was one of your original women. And I have to say the content is so juicy and so relevant to everything that I was going through. And I absolutely loved it. And I like how you explained kind of why it's a dark joke, because I'm sure not all of our listeners know who Virginia Woolf is. And they think, what? I don't yeah, get it. You know, it's a totally obscure, weird joke. And over the course of the last few years, we would have really funny, we had more than once, we'd have like a Virginia Woolf scholar join the group and get kind of irritated and feel like we were taking Virginia Woolf's name in vain. We've had people, um, you know, confess to not having ever read Virginia Woolf, all, all of these things. But the, the basic idea is that she was a very smart feminist and a woman we admire. And, um, and yeah, it's just a joke about, you know, should we give it all up and call it a day? Right. Um, but it's, it's a funny insider. Anyway, now we're the wolfer. How did you join the group? How did you hear about it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my goodness. I think it was probably a recommendation from a friend. Yes, it was. It was a recommendation from a friend. And she's like, this is just you're up your alley. This is so your jam. Have you ever heard of this group? And it was like, no, who yeah, are they? That's perfect to hear because we really, almost all of our members have been word of mouth. I and mean, there was a New York Times style section piece about us at one point, which 
did bring in people and still brings in people, but almost entirely when women would ask to join, it's because they knew someone already in the group, which we love. I mean, one of our, we like to say we're a group of like-minded women over 40 and, you know, some women wander in and realize it's not the place for them. Um, And then for lots of women, it's, it's like finding home, which is great. Exactly. 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 And I'm so happy to hear, you know, about the Wolfer and this whole new app that you're launching into. It's, it sounds amazing. Now, again, how can women find out about that for people who are like, gosh, this sounds amazing, but I'd like to get a taste of it. I'd like to see if this is my style. Yeah, there are a few ways you can do it. You go to our website, www.thewolferwith2os.com, and you can register on the site for free, and you can scroll around and read our content, and we have quizzes, and we have events. You can see, get a pretty good sense, actually, there's a good piece of content we just wrote that's called something like, what we talk about in our community. And so that gives people a really good sense of the type of posts we have. Um, You can also follow us on Facebook on the Wolfer or on Instagram at the Wolfer. Um, And both of those places, again, will give you a sense of content. One of our real business challenges going forward is that the women who knew what the Facebook community was know what they're missing if they don't go over. Women who are complete strangers to us won't know unless they go in and try. So when you're on the website, which is also an app, Um, If you go to hit community, you'll hit a paywall. We're now a subscription-based platform. It's, well, right now we have a discount going, it's $20, but that only goes till November 15th. And I think, I don't know when this show will air. Yeah, probably after that. Yeah, the normal price is $35 a year, although I think we'll run a discount at Christmas also. Um, But it's $35 a year to belong to the community. And there is a three-day trial. So you can click on payment and do it, but click the three-day trial. And so then you can spend a few days learning what it's all about. Um, But that piece of content also really will give you a sense. I mean, basically women post, we have a huge number of topics. So you can First of all, we have regional groups, so you can post, say, only to the New York group or only to Southern California or only to Midwest or Twin Cities. And then we also have a lot of subject groups, so you can post just in travel, for example, or money matters or sex or parenting, Um, or you can kind of post to general. So as you know, women are writing about all sorts of things from... um, I'm going to Morocco next week and I want to know the best place to stay. Uh, I'm in LA for one night and I want to pick up a man. Where do I go? I need the best endocrinologist in Tampa. And the women are super smart and resourceful and you'll get great answers. But then people are posting about really much more complicated emotional things. Um, You know, my mother's dying and my father's dead and I don't have a sister or brother to help me and she lives 200 miles away and these are the things I'm dealing with. Does anyone have any tips on... On, on elder care or, or just the emotional ramifications of dealing with end of life or um, erectile dysfunction or vaginal dryness or um, difficult teenagers. You know, we, a lot of us have really difficult stories with our kids in high school and college. It's very common. It's something people don't talk about that much. Um, kids going to wilderness, kids dealing with, you know, alcohol and anxiety. And, um, and then of course the happy, funny things. I mean, women post about, I mean, all sorts of, it really is from the kind of banal to the most intense, uh, complicated stories of our lives. So here's my question. We have a world that's totally connected between social media, internet. We have resources everywhere. 
Why a group like this? Why are women so desperate to find this sort of connection when we're all completely connected anyway? No, it's really a great question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. I mean, I probably like you am someone who's always had a lot of close female friends. um, And I never in a million years would have thought that I would end up loving an online community and needing it and relying on it and then running it the way I have. Um, And I really have, I mean, the reason we've made this move to the app is because this has kind of taken over my life and I had to really, and I couldn't figure, I really couldn't successfully monetize it on Facebook and I spend all my time doing it. And I had to really make the decision, do I want to shut it down or do I need to take it to the next step? And I rely on the group as much as our users do. I really love it and need it. So the question is why? You're right. In this time, Mm -hmm. we're so connected. I think, um, I think there are a few things like I find, for example, I posted last night asking about under eye filler um, because I'm starting to feel like the space under my eyes. Like I don't have, I don't have bags and I don't have like puffiness. I have like a kind of flat weird. I don't know. Anyway, my, the under, my under eye area is not looking great. I kind of know that if I ask my handful of close girlfriends, they're going to tell me I'm being ridiculous. Not that they're dishonest with me, they're just going to tell me I'm because I don't have friends who do a lot of like interventionist stuff or plastic surgery or anything like that. So I posted in the group and I got already like 40 super helpful answers from women. So you get a kind of unvarnished, unbiased, super smart opinion and, and there'll be a wide range. So sometimes you'll find out, you know, there are a million, there are a million answers. There is no one answer, but as we know at this age, we're pretty smart. We kind of, we gravitate to what we either want to hear or the answers we find the most useful. So it can feel very, um, very unbiased and just, just plain useful. Um, and then also there are times when I suppose, I mean, the number one thing I hear from women in the community when I meet them in real life is that the group makes them feel less alone. So there's got to be some way, I mean, we have a lot of women who do post saying that it's hard to make friends at this age and it's hard to find new connections or we get a lot of women, like we just had a retreat at Canyon Ranch this weekend in Berkshires and there was a woman who came all the way from Hawaii who's been in the group for like four years or three years. She's a a great wolfer. We love her online. I'd never met her in real life. Um, For her, she said she grew up originally, her family was from New York and she's been in Hawaii for 20 years and she misses that kind of New York flavor. That's what, what she's drawn to in the group, right? So we do get some of that kind of women who are in remote parts of the country and they feel like they're not with their kind, you know, they Mm -hmm. want a little more of a, so I think there are a lot of different answers, but it, it's definitely true that it strikes a different kind of chord because I am not someone who suffers from lack of female friendship and I really do need the group and use it. So. Right. Right. No, that helps. That makes sense. And one of the things that I was also thinking about when you were talking about that is I am a very upfront, vulnerable, open, honest person. It strikes me that you're the same way. Absolutely. Even though we are that way, there's certain pieces of our lives and our identities that sometimes it's not appropriate or comfortable to reveal with those who are closest to us. Yes, I think that's true. And actually, to that point, we have an anonymous feature in the group because obviously there are lots of wolfers who belong. And actually, it's, a, it's kind of a running joke. There are some women who join our community and say, 
they won't tell any of their friends. They want it to just be private for them. They don't want anyone else in the community to know them in real life. Then there are women who join and immediately invite their 400 best friends. Um, so people have different approaches to it. For both those kinds of women, though, we still we have an anonymous feature, and I've used it. You know, we've all we all use it when there's something that you really want an answer on, but you you really also don't want the people who know you in real life to know that you're asking this question. Um, but it's true. Sometimes I'll like I posted the other day and I post completely organically, just like everyone else. There's nothing strategic about the way I use the group. I really just post when I think of it. And I posted something about body image. I was kind of thinking it was again at Canyon Ranch. I learned there were a bunch of women who said that they didn't want to get massages, that they don't ever get massages because they feel like they're afraid of being on the table and feeling like someone is judging their body. And it was funny at first, my reaction to that, I was kind of shocked. I was like, I mean, I get massages and I felt even ever so slightly smug. Like I get massages, like what's wrong with them? Like it's totally, right. but then I thought about it for a little while. And of course there are a million ways I'm self-conscious about my body when I'm with my boyfriend, when I'm naked. I mean, I'm a 50 year old woman. My body's not what it was 25 years ago. Nice. And, um, and I wanted to post to kind of think about that more about, you know, what, why, I mean, not why are we so self-conscious? I think we probably know why, but are there ways we can get better at that, at being kinder to ourselves and loving our body, you know, all these kind of obvious tropes. But I posted about that, not using anonymous, really just genuinely wanting to have that conversation to kind of think about it a little further. Like, I don't want to feel that way about my body. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a wide range of, you know, and I'm trying to think of something that I would have posted anonymously. Some sort of, I mean, occasionally I'll post anonymously if it's about my relationship, my sexual, you know, my boyfriend or my children, you know, where it's right. where I'm trying to protect someone else's privacy. Right. Which is nice because that does give us the ability to express concern. And yes, those in our immediate family know who we're talking about and they have their own biases and judgments. And it's very refreshing, I think, to get a wide variety of perspectives from a wide variety of women with different biases of their own. Um, different parts of the country, maybe different religious upbringings, different, yeah. it just gives you that nice cross-section. Um, yeah, you really do learn things. I mean, all the time, the way I think about something has been shifted slightly because of the community. Um, and it's very important to me that we're really diverse in that way. I mean, I do like to say that I think the common factor in our community for the most part is a certain level of intelligence and openness like we really you're gonna like this community a lot if you're pretty comfortable being candid and funny and um although that said like in canyon ranch this weekend there was a woman there who had never posted and never commented but showed up to spend four days with us so there are we do have a high number of lurkers we have women who just read um mm -hmm. which i find kind of fascinating yeah, that is fascinating. I really like that. I like how you zoned in on um, kind of that demographic, that people have to be open. They do have to be intelligent enough to process, but also that judgment-free because people are saying everything. And yeah. they're, in my experience reading it, and I don't know if you had deleted comments in the past, not often are there trolls on there poking. People I, have a, yeah, they have a different opinion, but it seems to be very respectful. Yeah, I mean, we worked hard. I think one of the ways that our community hopefully sets itself apart from others on Facebook, or it did, is that we have a lot of a high level of moderation. Um, and so we actually were on Facebook removing people in a fair, you know, I'd say at least 
at least once a week, we were removing one or two or more people. Okay. Um, and we were really monitoring the threads pretty carefully. We certainly grew to learn which kinds of threads caused the yes. most trouble. Anything around infidelity, anything around politics, and anything around race. Those were the threads that tend to get inflamed quickly that we had to really stay on. We would, you know, we would text each other, the moderators and I, if we were going to approve a post that we knew was likely to blow up. And we'd, you know, say, is someone going to be available to babysit this thread? Otherwise, we shouldn't approve it right now. So um, we are hoping that that's one of the advantages of moving to the app. Yes. There's a low barrier. It's $35 a year. It's not a ton yes. of money, but it means you have to be committed. And, you know, hopefully you're not going to just be kind of coming on to make trouble. Um, and we did actually in the app reserve the right in our terms of service to remove anyone um, without refund who doesn't go by the rules or misrepresents herself. Um, it's only for women. It's only for women over 40. We're very clear about that. Good. I like that. Okay. You said something about blowing up. These certain topics tend to be inflammatory. They tend to blow up. Is that a good thing, though, sometimes? I think it is. I mean, actually, I think the infidelity, I mean, all of them, those three subjects, right? Infidelity, race, politics, they're all rich subjects. There's a lot. Yes. The infidelity threads do become somewhat predictable, and it's easy to understand why. A woman posts, um, one of the ones that I really loved years ago was a woman who posted and said, I've been married for 25 years. I've been having an affair for the last five years. He just broke up with me and I am devastated. I can't get out of bed. I don't know what to do. She was so incredibly distraught. And I was really moved by her post, but a lot of people or some people were kind of angry at her. Like, you know, you've been cheating on your husband. What do you mean you can't get out of bed? Like, get a grip. And um, so often these infidelity posts, or they're a very common post that we get a lot, is some variation of... I don't want to have sex with my husband anymore, but he's a decent guy. Should I just have an affair? Or I'm having an affair because my husband's a decent guy, but I don't like having sex with him anymore. Um, and people get really upset for obvious reasons. Lots of us have been on the receiving end of infidelity. We've been hurt by infidelity. We've had parents who have cheated. We have a lot of knee-jerk reactions around adultery, which I completely understand. That said, I also... I. I am not a very judgmental person. I really feel like there are a lot of really complicated situations out there and I'm not one to um, tell someone what they should or shouldn't be doing. And, you know, one of the ways we describe the group as supportive, but not a support group. So we try and Mm -hmm. straddle that line between being honest, giving our opinions. Um, Certainly nastiness is not allowed, Um, but you can say, I don't think what you're doing is right, but you can't say, you know, you can't curse at someone or, or tell them they're stupid or, um, so I don't mind when the infidelity threads go a little bit wild. Like to me, it makes sense. Of course it does. Um, race and politics are a little different. Politics in the group has always been tricky. Like, you know, I'm a liberal from Brooklyn Heights. I started the group with all my friends in Brooklyn Heights. We're all a bunch of Democrats for the most part. That said, I really, really want the group to be diverse. Um, And so I made a rule early on that basically we weren't going to really talk about politics at all, that there are other Facebook groups where you could talk about politics. Um, And we've kind of said, I don't care what 
your political orientation is, but if you bring it to a group of produ- that's predominantly democratic, you should be smart about how you present yourself. So yes. we have had women who, you know, will start saying, you know, abortion is evil and, you know, make America great again. And those women have ended up having to leave the group, whether we've removed them or they've, they've left of their own volition. Um, that said, we have a number of women who have been in the group for a long, long time who are staunch Republicans who I adore. And they have just known to kind of leave their politics at the door and and it's all fine, or they use them, or they, you know, talk about them carefully. Um, in the app, we've actually finally decided to create, we now have a, a group called Election 2020 for Politics, because women oh, wow. want to talk about politics. We'll see how that goes. We just announced it last week. I think it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I but I fully copped to that being a slightly difficult difficult issue, because some of my moderators and admins for a long time have wanted it to just be a group of democratic women. And I don't want that. No, um, but I also can't, I, you know, I can't really stomach someone, you know, hating Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example, that would not be okay. It's so. right. right. <laughs> but again, when you bring in that smart piece, that intellect piece, when, in my experience, when people are educated, aware, able to self-reflect, they are able to see things from all positions, whether it's political, the infidelity or whatever it is, they can be able to say yes. And instead of yes, but yes, you can't, yeah, yes, you can't get out of bed. Yes. Maybe having an affair was a horrible choice. Both of those, you can hold room for both of those. Absolutely. You can still be in horrible pain and you still may be questioning your marriage and that does not make you a horrible person. And absolutely. Right. And I, and and for politics, I mean, I have people in my family who don't agree with me politically. For me, it's okay to hold the space for both. And so that's yes. really the idea in the group that I, that's important to me. Race also becomes very difficult often. You know, the whole idea of um, intersectionality. We've actually also in the app, we've created two new groups, a woman of color group and an LGBTQIA plus group. Nice. Um, um, we've always had a lot of gay members and we love that and we want more of them. We've always had a fair number of women of color. I myself am black. Um, so we want that. Um, but we also, we, for a long time, we didn't have those subgroups cause we didn't want those people to feel st- kind of ghetto. It's, it's again, it's a yes. tricky balance with these subjects that we know are going to be hard. Um, but a number of women in the community really advocated for doing a women of color group. And I'm excited. I'm hoping that that'll be a good draw to the app. It's a, the idea is that it's a, it's, it's a place where you can have within the app, your own conversations and everyone is welcome to it. But I think it's, it's actually called women of color and allies. Nice. Um, and of course, we still want those women and everyone posting to the general conversation, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I just want to share something on that topic. Um, it's a little off, off, off kilter, but not really. <laughs> I actually ended up having a really good conversation with a um, woman of color on, on the app at one point. Oh. Be- yes. And what was nice about it is I had some questions and I didn't know if it was coming off as like some sort of a microaggression mm-hmm. and I needed somebody to ask who didn't know me because when I was asking people who knew me, they'd be like, no, of course you're nice and kind of, that doesn't sound awful at all. But inside I kept thinking, I think it feels like it could be perceived as a microaggression. And I would like to ask somebody who doesn't know me. And sure enough, she's like, yeah, that's, that yes. can be a little inflammatory. See, that's awesome. Thank and that you. is a great use of the group. And actually, 
that makes me happy we did create this subgroup because if you posted that in the general section of the app, which would be fine, you would get a lot of, I mean, even though we have a lot of women in color, right? We, we have more white women. So you would get a lot of white women speaking to the question. The idea is now if you post that to women of color and allies, you'll, you'll get white women, but the authority in that group is supposed to be the women of color and they can yeah. then the question and answer it. And yeah, that's awesome. That makes me really happy because it's certainly a huge issue. And I get into trouble sometimes for not being as, um, I mean, again, I can, I feel like I'm, I really see both sides. So I, you know, I will draw the line when I think someone is really being a jerk. Right. But I also, I also understand that we're all coming from different perspectives and we, there are a lot of things we don't always understand. And this is supposed to be a space where we can learn and grow. So as long as people are approaching it from that perspective, I really welcome them. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Now, I want to talk about your book a little bit. What got, yeah, what, what gave you the idea to write this book? I mean, I understand that you were having these concerns, you were talking to people, but what made you take the leap to, you know what, I need to write a whole book about this? I mean, honestly, the truth is, it's kind of funny. I really wrote the, group, the book because I had started the group really just for me and my friends. And within a month or two, certainly six, it was taking up all my time. I was spending every day on Facebook all day long. And I couldn't figure out, like, was this the beginning of a business? Was this a club? Like, what is this? And it was taking up so much of my time that I felt like I needed to figure out a way to justify it, right? And I didn't want to, at the time, create a website or build an app. All these things sounded expensive and complicated. Um, I come from book publishing. I was a literary agent and a scout for many years. So I thought, well, maybe I thought, I know what my concerns are in this realm. And now I'm seeing what all these other women's concerns are. Maybe the thing to do is to write a book, which would be kind of a discrete period of time. A book generally takes one to two years. You write it, you publish it. And I honestly thought by the time the book came out, the group would have disbanded. Mm -hmm. I kind of thought when we started that, by the time we hit like 2,500 women, it wouldn't be fun anymore because we would lose the intimacy. Um, so in some ways, it was a slightly, if not cynical, practical approach to a situation I found myself in. I was like, I need to do something to justify to my friends and family that I'm spending all my time on Facebook. So I'm going to turn this project into a book and that will be the answer. Um, and then, and then of course, I didn't know, I mean, it's not so easy to sell a book. So I wrote a book proposal, not being sure that I would even, you know, get it off the ground. Right. Um, and it ended up being actually really fun and easy to write. It was a really enjoyable process, and there was so much material. It felt um, kind of obvious to me. I mean, I have another book project that I've been struggling with for years that has not been obvious, so I know the difference. Yes. This book was really a natural to write. You know, we kind of divided it up. I, um, I enlisted a, an editor a friend named Sarah Weir to work on it with me so that we could do it quickly. And we just kind of came up with it. It was like, what are we talking about? We're talking about sex. We're talking about beauty. We're talking about health. We're talking about work. We're talking about our kids. We kind of divided it up into what we felt were the obvious sections. And then the way I approached it was that basically it was kind of each chapter starts with like a bit of memoir some sort of anecdote from me about my own life. And then branches out into expert opinions, voices from the community, which we got permission on, obviously, from everyone. Um, so, you know, my idea was that it would be kind of like a girlfriend's guide to perimenopause and menopause. Nice. So where are you going from here? You've got the book, you've got the app, you've got this whole group, this whole group of women who need this conversation. What's next? Well, it's a good question. I mean, 
we're just launching the app, right? So the hope is yes. that we get, we hope, the hope is that we get the community to a place where it, it's at least self-sustaining, which looks like it's going to happen. The launch has gone really well. We have um, a little over 5,000 women registered on the app, which is great. It's only been about three weeks or so. Um, and then, you know, I don't really know. We do, you know, we have the newsletter. We have a podcast called Raging Gracefully, which I do with my co-host, Hilary Richard, which we really love. I guess one goal would be certainly, we don't do the podcast enough. We've done two seasons. We have a third coming out in January. In a perfect world, I mean, in a perfect world, basically, we'd be making enough money to grow this in a larger way, right? To do right. the podcast weekly, to um, hire someone, to do marketing, to have more events. Like, we do events now when I want to have them, basically. So we'll do like a... You know, we did a shopping event at a great bra store in New York a couple of weeks ago where they gave us a discount. We all went and had wine and, you know, bought lingerie or we went to, we had a retreat in Joshua Tree last year or um, we'll go see a play together. I think there'd be great demand and interest. We have groups all over the country. So we could have events everywhere if we had more resources. Right now, you know, it's really been such a labor of love and I've kind of pumped my own money into it. So I need, mm -hmm. it to, I need to start having it become more of an actual business so that we can grow it. There's been some talk about doing something for TV or film. I mean, there's a, we have a lot of incredible stories. Yes. Um, and I've had to really grapple myself as we've tried to figure out how to grow and how to make it sustainable. I've had to really spend a lot of time and it's been hard figuring out really what I want to do, how I want to be spending my time, what I want out of it. And the truth is what I really love is the community. I love the conversations and the stories. It's just, and I'm not someone who is particularly like, I don't want to be selling occasionally if there's something I really love. Like I wear this love loop thing. We're on zoom. So you can see me. Yes. I um, eyeglass holder around my neck. It's made by a company called La Loop and the founder is a wolfer. Her name is Elizabeth Furrow. I love this thing. I wear it every day. So we do sell it on our website and this is something I'm like perfectly happy to tell people about. Cause I, like I can't live without it. Otherwise my glasses get ruined. I throw them in my right. bag. Um, so uh, products, when I love them, I'm happy to talk about, but I don't consider myself a, a natural salesperson. I'm not interested in hawking, you know, stuff. Right. Um, so trying to kind of figure out, okay, we've started this organically. I love it. How do we take it to the next level in a way that where I feel fully, um, you know, where I, where my integrity is intact and I can still enjoy it. And, um, and I think we figured that out actually for now, for this next phase, the app really yeah. makes sense. We kind of decided, we basically decided like for as much as everyone loves the events and the podcasts and the book, what they really love is being able to post and talk to each other. So ultimately that's kind of the club. And so we're going to ask them to pay for it. Perfect. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, low, low, low dollar amount. You can, you know, do all of this for what, 35 a year? 35 a year. And, and, and I'm hearing about other clubs. Someone sent me some, something similar for women 35 and up that's like $30 a month. I mean, these things, there's such a wide range, you know, there are all sorts of women's communities. So yeah, I feel like we've, and we also have a scholarship program for ours. So if someone wants to join and they feel like it's too expensive, we have donors who have offered to pay. We, I think we've paired 300 women with donors, which has been amazing. So we really don't want to be exclusive. We want to be... Right smart and funny and accessible. And we just want to sustain ourselves. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Now I'd like to pivot our conversation a little bit. We've talked about, you know, you kind of on the professional level and for the next half of the show, I want to take you through the five steps of flaunt and have the listeners learn a little bit more about you, your inner heart, your soul. Who is Nina? 
Um, now, I don't know anything about your program, so I'm super excited. I'm so glad. All right. Well, I am all about FLAUNT. And FLAUNT is an acronym for Find Your Fetish, Laugh Out Loud, Accept Unconditionally, Navigate the Negative, and Trust in Your Truth. And my mission is to have women fall in love with who they are right now in spite of anything that goes on in their world around them. Because ultimately, we are the only people that we can control. We can't change anybody's thoughts or beliefs. We can only change our own. So true. Yeah. And when we are so solid in who we are, we're able to flaunt our smart, sexy, spiritual selves and to be completely confident in all that we do. So, yeah, my first question about you is about your fetish. And I defined fetish not only as that thing that makes you go, woohoo, I love this, but also as that magical fetish, that thing that you rely on that gives you strength. So what is your fetish or what are your fetishes? What are the things you dearly, juicily love? I mean, the thing, so I don't know if the question, like how abstract or concrete it is, but the thing really that comes to mind is truth telling is kind of being honest and vulnerable is the thing that kind of gets me excited. Like, I don't have a lot of friendships that I would consider kind of superficial. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not interested in talking to people, spending a lot of time closely with people who can't really share their vulnerability and talk about how they feel. That's interesting to me. People's stories and what's really going on is interesting to me. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely a fetish because that guides your whole life and it, it informs the decisions that you make and the relationships that you have. So that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. The next step in flaunt is laugh out loud. And for me, I believe laughter is so fulfilling, whether it's just tiny little funny thoughts in your head or whether it's snorty, spitting coffee out your nose laughter. I really feel passionate about laughter. I want to know your beliefs on humor and laughter and how, how you use that in your life and your world. That's interesting. That's a good question. Um, I mean, what comes to mind right away, I mean, certainly the group makes me laugh all the time. The women are, you know, the kind of laughter, I think, or humor that I respond to is certainly a kind of wry, sarcastic, slightly cynical. Um, uh, so the, the, the places I get most of my laughter, luckily my current boyfriend of like a year and a half makes me laugh, which is a huge relief. Um, and the group makes me laugh. And then of course, like the best, you know, Netflix shows make me laugh. Um, uh, I don't think of myself. Well, it's funny, you know, I often say to people when I wrote my book, I was kind of surprised that I wrote a funny book because I don't think of myself as particularly funny. Um, but my book is actually funny. And I think that probably took off from the tone of the community where the idea is that, you know, we should be able to make fun of ourselves a little. Um, it's definitely funny in a kind of irreverent way. And I guess that's, that's the kind of humor I like. I don't kind of go necessarily for like, I don't go to comedy shows, like real kind of, not that I think they're bad. Actually, we had a Wolfer comedy show, which was fun. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how to answer it exactly. I mean, I certainly think it's important. I've definitely realized in my, in my love relationships that I need to be with someone who makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of drawn as so many of us are to like the dark depressive types. And it's just, I'm still drawn to that type, but it turns out he's actually kind of funny. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yes, it does. And you know, taking your, your fetish of going deep 
and being raw. And then that laughter of kind of wry, ironic humor. A lot of my work is around burlesque. I do burlesque physically, but I, I also doing burlesque. You have like a boa in the background in your office. I do. I do. I've got my leopard throw and my feather boa because that's definitely a part of who I am. But I also like the, um, the idea of burlesque as a metaphor that when we strip away our coverings and show people exactly who we are in our raw truth with our vulnerabilities, we're stronger that way. And we empower other people to do the same way. And as you were saying those two things, burlesque is actually a parody. And I was thinking, gosh, there's so much in you that is a burlesque. You know, you're revealing it and yeah. that irony and that humor. And I okay, I have total stage fright doing a burlesque, but I like the concept. I'm going to think about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Metaphoric burlesque. Make your yeah. life a metaphoric burlesque and let me yeah. know how it goes. <laughs> so moving into AU, accept unconditionally. And that's the golden center of flaunt. I love how you just said stage fright because the concept of accepting unconditionally is unconditionally accepting all facets of who we are, our shadow, our light, our fears, our shame, our vulnerability, our power, our brilliance. It's about accepting that full range, both positive and negative of who we are. I was hoping you could share with the listening audience a little bit of the things on both ends sure. that you have found challenging to accept in yourself. Oh yeah, sure. Let's see. Um, hmm. I mean, there's so many things. So like the dark sides of me or the things that I don't like or that I've struggled with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the most kind of vulnerable thing I can think of recently is that I've been writing this book for a long time about my mother, this memoir. My mom died when I was young and she was a filmmaker, her writer. And so I've been trying to write this kind of literary memoir. And, um, and I just sent it out on submission in September and it got rejected by a bunch of places. And I've been working on it for years. And it really makes me feel like am I smart enough? Am I not good enough to do this? Like I wrote a kind of silly fun book about menopause and I run this community where women talk about their deepest, darkest feelings and their vaginas. And, but can I not write a literary book? Um, and actually it's been an interesting experience. Like I went out with the book in September and now as we're talking, it's the beginning of November. Um, I got a handful of rejections and I put it away because then I felt like I had to turn to the app launch and I'll, in the next couple of months, I'll figure out how to move forward with that project or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was devastated for a few weeks, of course, internally. I really had to manage this horrible feeling of disappointment and am I not good enough? Am I stupid? And I do think that with age, luckily, I think 10 years ago, this would have been much harder with age and probably also with all the other things I've accomplished. I was able to kind of quickly say like, it's okay. Like I can't be everything. No one can be everything. And if it turns out I can't do this thing, that's okay. There are a lot of other things I do do well. And, um, and you know, maybe I'll figure out how to reframe it. Maybe I'll go back to work on it. Maybe I'll end up selling it to a small press. I don't really know, but having to kind of, um, you know, as you say, like accept our limitations or accept, you know, no one can do everything um, or no one can succeed at everything for sure. Then on more like personal levels, I don't know. I mean, I can be really bossy. I can be really controlling. I'm terribly impatient. It's probably my, in some ways, my worst quality. Um, I think I'm a good leader, but I'm also 
Um, I can be kind of harsh. I say things, you know, really bluntly. Often I have to be a little more careful sometimes with people. Um, not more than, more than one man, many men have told me I'm not gentle enough. Um, so I don't know. That's a handful of, you know, word things about me. So what about on the brilliant end? What are your most brilliant, sparkly, shiny gifts that's kind of hard to talk about because sometimes we're raised to be good little girls and not to brag. Right. Um, I think I am really, really good at connecting people. I love, I'm always kind of making connections in my head and introducing people. Um, I think I am unusually non-judgmental and so people feel very comfortable telling me their worst stories and I'm kind of good at hearing it and giving advice and really not feeling judgmental. I just rarely feel that way. Um, I'm opinionated, but I don't usually kind of, yeah, make people feel judged. Um, I'm incredibly well organized. I'm super, super efficient. I have a beautiful home. I'm good at decorating. Um, I'm really open sexually. I think I'm pretty easy in that way. I don't have a lot of, um, I'm happy to like talk about sex and I'm kind of open. I'm I'm not, I don't think hugely adventurous or, um, but I'm, you know, I'm just open. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'd like to be more adventurous, but I actually started now the group has made me start to feel not like I'm a prude, but like I'm obviously (laughs) on the road. Um, but I still like the, I think I'm just kind of easy sexually. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, honestly, if I had to make a living in some other way, I'd be like a home organizer. I am really the most organized person you'll ever meet. I'm very efficient. Although, funnily enough, we had our first call scheduled when I missed it. So that was bad. That's very unlikely. <laughs> That's all right. That happens to, to the best of us. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've, if I've yeah. given strengths enough, you know. Right. Whatever. No, that's good. That's good. It sounds like you've embraced. (laughs) (laughs) So then the next step is N, navigate the negative. Difficult things happen in all of our lives. And I know you've had some difficult things happen in your life. And you just shared about this book proposal getting rejected too. And then you said, as I've gotten older or as we get older, it's easier to accept. Do you have any tips or tricks or tools that you would like to share with the listeners about navigating the negative, you know, things that you've been through and ways that you have gotten yourself through those difficulties? Um, I mean, the two most difficult things in my life were my mother died when I was 19 and, um, and my divorce from the father of my four kids when I was 38. Those were you know, hugely difficult things. And honestly, I don't think that I navigated them very well. Um, I was young and I really was angry and horribly depressed. And um, I think in the last 10 years, since since my 40s, I've gotten much better at navigating the negative and I've had difficult, you know, I've had things with children and I had a second divorce. I had a um, relationship with someone who was kind of abusive and that was really shocking. Um, Those things I've and you know things with my teenagers i've i've gotten through hard things in my 40s much better than i did when i was younger um and i think uh i mean certainly a lot of therapy got me to a more balanced place honestly i feel like perspective is what really helps me the most now i feel like i see the stories of all these women i see what other people go through i have a lot more faith in my own ability to kind of stay balanced and grounded and as hard as anything is I have enough behind me that I, I know what I've already overcome. I know that I'll manage this next thing too, generally. Um, 
So I don't know if that's really a trick because I think it really does come with age. It's interesting to watch. I have four children and, you know, you watch them start to go through difficult things and you want to teach them balance and inner strength and how to be calm and how to manage things well. And, and hopefully I can model that and it will help them. But I do think there's a certain degree of having to learn things, um, mm -hmm. you know, which is just life. Oh, exactly. Is there anything you could have said to your younger self that would have helped? Um, I don't, not when my mom died. I don't think so. I think I was really so alone. I didn't have a father who was around. I'm not sure that anything, I mean, had, had I told myself, you know, this will one day be better. Would that have helped? I don't, I don't think so. I don't even think I had the emotional tools at the time to self soothe enough. Um, so I'm not sure now. Yeah. No, I actually absolutely love that because there are times looking back and I know going forward that the things are going to happen that I just won't be able to manage. And I think it's okay sometimes to be in that phase where nothing is going to help except time and distance. Yeah. I mean, I think the trick is knowing like now I'm really much better at just sitting with the bad feeling. And that's something that I certainly remember my therapist telling me many, many times. And that's true. And I try and say that to my kids. Like it feels really horrible right now and you're going to sit in it and you're not going to feel this way a week or two weeks or a month from now. You just aren't. And, um, and I, I really, again, I, I don't know if, if I'd had a mother to tell me that, would that have helped me when I was younger? I, I hope so. I hope I can help my kids, but I don't know. And I, and I don't think, I'm sure people tried to tell me that when I was young or maybe they didn't. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I wish I'd known it then, but I do know it now. Right. But I think as a culture, we're more honest than when we were growing up. I feel like there's more people sharing. Yeah. But I wonder if that's true. It's a good point. Cause I, I don't feel like I wonder when my if when my kids are this age if they'll feel like they had enough guidance when they were that age. I definitely do not do not feel like I had enough guidance. Right. Um, and it was a lot of learning on my own. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Which kind of goes right to my last point, T, trust in your truth. Ultimately, all any of us can do is trust in our own truth for right or for wrong, for good or for bad. That's literally the only thing that we have got. To close out the show, I would love for you to talk, to wax philosophical, <laughs> whatever you want to do, about your truth. What is the truth about you that above all else you know to be true? Oh, well, I think... Another thing that's become increasingly important to me in the last like 15 years, probably since I divorced the father of my kids is this desire. I think I spent a period in my thirties really looking back on my difficult twenties and thirties, which I, I wrote about actually in a difficult piece in L the first piece I ever published. Um, uh, it has become really important to me to feel like I'm living in integrity, right? Like I'm doing honestly the best that I can do in any given moment that I'm being true to myself true to the people around me and sometimes that means for me lately actually with the community um, it means having a, a lot of boundaries because I have a lot of women I'm answering to all the time thousands and thousands of women you know reading their stories they're writing to me um, I have the women I run the community with um, and so I need to kind of be clear on kind of my own need to connect and my own need to kind of take care of myself a little bit. Um, 
but this idea of living in integrity and in whatever you're doing, are you, are, are you showing up in a way that is like you say, that is true to you? It's not necessarily, I don't think there is a best way for any of us to behave, right? It really is what, how do you feel, um, honest and clear and grounded and, um, like you respect yourself really in any given moment. And, that's a gift. I think being able to feel that way and live that way. Um, I think it's one of the perks, you know, in our community, we're constantly talking about the kind of indignities of getting older in funny ways. And there are plenty, but there really are a lot of gifts. And that is one of them is um, learning how to be more true to yourself. And, and, and I love that idea that there isn't a right way. And that's something we talk about a lot in the community. And it's why, as we talked about earlier, you can get all these different opinions. There isn't a right one. Mm-hmm. There are a few that speak to you. Um, you know, you can hear all these voices and they can help you make a decision. And, and that's all you need. You know, yes. there's, there's no answer usually. Yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nina, for sharing your heart, your soul, and your work, your book, your community. Where, one more time, can listeners get a hold of you and learn more about the app? So go to our website, www.thewolfer, with two O's, W-O-O-L-F-E-R.com. And that's where you'll find the community, the content, the, um, the actual conversation is behind the paywall. You go to the memberships link and you become a member. Um, you can find my book on Amazon, um, Nina Lorez Collins. You can follow The Wolfer or Nina Lorez Collins on Instagram. We're both there. Um, and same on Facebook. I have a public author page, and we also have The Wolfer page. Wonderful. And th- this was a really fun conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much. You know, there are so many women out there like us who are smart, who are powerful, who are trying and who make horrific mistakes in the process and right. learn how to roll with it. And I'm I think it is a book today, by the way. Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So yeah, I think it's so important that we continue to just show up as we are, good, bad, and just let people know, hey, we're here, we're trying, we're getting older, some of it works, some of it doesn't work. You had mentioned modeling earlier. Let's just go out there and model what we're doing, and if people can do it better than us, woohoo! God bless. I completely agree. That's great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Listeners, I will put all of this amazing information in the show notes. Uh, You know how to meet. Reach me, Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A, Cheadle.com. Have a fantastic week. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt, find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. 